darkness into light. And you give us a new heart. A heart that is not hard, but a heart where you write your words on those very hearts. You bring us into a new into a new world, Lord. You open up our eyes where we were blind. And Lord, we pray that as you open up your word today, that you again write more words on our hearts. Words that will empower us and encourage us. And I pray, encourage others in their time of need. So Lord, let your will be done. And may your servant be humbled in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Is it because I'm by the fold back speakers if I move out a bit, maybe? Okay, that sounds better. Thank you. Right, so what I want to talk to you about today is about God's calling on our lives. So I have to acknowledge Boris, I hope his name's felt like this, but Joachim, um, your calling reading plan. Has this helped me personally look at God's calling in a different light? But I also need to acknowledge John Bevere's book, Victory in the Wilderness. So let's look at the word calling. For me, it's always important to see the meaning of a word. Because the meaning of a word in the wrong context can send us all the wrong way. So definitions of calling. I looked at Miriam's Webster's library.com on this definition. And she calls it strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. Uh, A very long word, but basically it's a strong (coughs) urge to take some form of direction, maybe guided by God, the divine influence. And the second one, vocation or profession, in which one customarily engages. So basically a job, an occupation, something that we do regularly. So that's a definition, their definition of calling. We see by these definitions why God's calling, or the word God's calling, has been confused with vocation. But his calling goes beyond occupation or roles. We are called to follow Jesus and to have a continuing and increasingly closer relationship with him. He calls us to a right relationship with God and with those around us. Our call to Jesus is always primary to our life. All other callings are secondary e.g. family, ministry, work, etc. God calls us to belong to Christ in every element of our lives. The theology of work project identifies God's calling as these. Everyone is called to belong to Christ and to participate in his creative and redemptive work. Everyone is commanded to work to the degree they are able And God calls us to a whole life, not just to a job. Our profession is not God's highest concern for us. God is more concerned that we come under the saving grace of Christ and participate in his work of creation and redemption. Whatever your job may be, whatever we are willing to put into God's hands, he will use. Now let me just say, church, that doesn't mean that God won't use you in your workplace. He can use you in your workplace if you let him. In my current workplace, I'm actually part of a Christian group, which I never thought I would find. But they encourage me, and I've been encouraging them. So that doesn't mean that you can't do the same. Start your own little prayer group. Start your own little Bible study. But unless you go and step out and say to other people, I'm a Christian, they're not going to know. All right. So let's explore some characteristics of God's calling and what the Bible shows us on this. How do we know we are living in God's calling? God often uses other people or situations to reveal his purposes in our calling. God may use the following to guide us to our calling. So he may use people. And the story of Esther highlights that Mordecai was the person that needed to be involved or he might use a significant event we all remember the burning bush incident with Moses but we also remember Jonah's shipwreck and the involvement of a big fish for him to get back on track there's about preparation Joseph was prepared through his slavery and imprisonment 
past preparation, but necessary. Or a situational burden may come our way. In Nehemiah's case, when he started to pray and fast about the situation of Jerusalem. Some, like Jacob, begin their calling through other people's meddling. We know that his mum, especially, was involved in that. However, God still uses our wheeling and dealing to fulfil his purposes. Look at Moses' story. I'm just going to look at one verse here. Exodus 2, verse 4. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. God watches over us and keeps us safe even before we can help ourselves. He ensures Moses' protection as a baby during a very dark period where male Hebrew babies were being killed by Pharaoh out of intimidation and jealousy for the people. God's providence ensures a close family member of Pharaoh, the very man persecuting God's people, is the one that provides Moses and looks after him. The same man that God is going to use to free his people and to do Egypt their greatest defeat. There's always a bigger picture in God's plans that our calling fits into. Nehemiah verse, chapter 1 verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. It was through this report to Nehemiah that God gave Nehemiah his burden to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. Again, God had heard the cry of the people, but he was also upholding the covenant with Abraham, but ultimately the plan to have his son be born as one of them, to bring salvation to all who would believe. Esther, chapter 2, verse 5. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jah, the son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite. Now Esther takes centre stage in her story, but Mordecai also has a big part to play by God's mighty hand of grace to stop the plans of Haman to eradicate the whole Jewish nation. Jonah, the first two verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come upon me. It's not just about being called, but it's also about accepting what we are called into. The Bible shows people in every light, good and bad, and Jonah's attitude is not a good one. God uses different levels of correction to bring Jonah back on track without killing him, to ensure he fulfills God's call on him. So let me ask you, in this story, did God lose out? No. Did the Ninevites lose out? No. They, were, they received salvation. That was the whole point that Jonah went to Nineveh. The only person who lost something was Jonah. What did he lose? He lost his peace and his comfort while he was rebelling with God. He could have enjoyed that experience. It could have been one of his moments that instead of being in the Bible as being one of his bad moments, could have been a good one. We can do the same. A moment that's challenging for us could be one of your defining moments, not one of the moments that you don't want to remember. Luke 1 to 5. So it's going too fast there. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Some of the people in the Bible were told their calling from angelic hosts. We know of Mary and Joseph being told theirs by the angel Gabriel. But let's not forget Zechariah, who encountered Gabriel at the temple. Again, a faithful man, but touched by God at a very late age. So be encouraged, we can be called at any age for God's purposes. Don't be discouraged if you make a mistake. God made and knows you. He knows when and what will cause you to falter. Be encouraged and trust him as he does not give us more that we are capable of doing for him. And then let me put a caveat to that. Please, church, if you're not a good communicator, don't think you're going to be an evangelist. Yeah? 
if that's not if you don't have the gift of the gab, I don't think evangelism is going to be your strong point. That's not to say you won't be, but I believe God brings you in line with your characteristics. So don't try and work outside the box. God can do all things, but he has called you for a specific purpose. Amen? All the big guns of the Bible made major mistakes. Look at Moses, David, Elijah, Peter, and Paul. Some of these guys were murderers. Some of them had anger management issues. And some were cowardly. So believe me, when we fail, don't keep kicking yourself. Get back up, brush yourself off, and then get straight back on your knees to get right with God and continue the journey that he has for you. I believe some trials you were always meant to fail. That's a hard message to have, but I believe it's true. Some, mes- some lessons you were always meant to fail, but that's so that you don't make bigger mistakes further down the road. I'll give you an example. Jacob wrestled with God. Yeah? Now, it's like putting the rock next to Pee Wee Herman, isn't it? It's just, why? It's no competition. But God doesn't just wipe him out. He allows him to wrestle with him for a significant time. But then he says, enough is enough. And he pops his hip. Yeah? Now, what was the point of that? He was in a no-win situation on that one. He was never going to win that. But through that, he learned humility. And from that point on, God used him. Yeah? So don't, so don't see your failures sometimes as, oh, I can't recover from that. It may be a turning point for you. And that's when God will come in. In another level, at another level in your life. Our calling will require us to go into a wilderness. It is in our wilderness experiences that our faith, which we need to fulfill our calling, is tested, proven, and strengthened. The Israelites were called out of Egypt by God to be his people. But God took them through the wilderness to refine and produce people worthy of receiving the promised land. Moses was taken through the wilderness period after he killed an Egyptian, and he learned humility and how to be a shepherd in this period. Joseph endured his wilderness period during his enslavement in Egypt. Samson had his wilderness period after he was captured by the Philistines. David, when he was chased by King Saul for his very life. Elijah went through his during the drought and the persecution of God's prophets. And our Lord Jesus, after his baptism, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, but also to prepare himself for his ministry. Please note that once these people were taken by God through their wilderness period, they performed even greater feats for God's purposes and his kingdom. Joseph became the most powerful man in Egypt next to Pharaoh, but ultimately to save a future nation through Israel, his father, and his sons for God's purposes. Moses led God's people out of Egypt and instilled God's laws into the people, setting them apart for his name. Samson destroyed more Philistines in his most selfless act since being blessed with his great strength. He realized his his greatest strength was knowing and honoring God and not having great physical strength. David wrote Psalms and gave us a great example of humility and submission to those God has placed in authority over us. And God rewarded his faithfulness by drawing closer to him and using his line to give birth to his son, Jesus Christ. Elijah understood by God's lesson he was not alone and it was not good for him to be alone and he prepared Elisha to do even greater miracles than he performed. I think the Bible says he did double the miracles. Our Lord Jesus prepared his mind, body and soul to not only minister to his people but also nations not yet called. But most of all began his journey of persecution and sacrifice to the cross. As we know, that sacrifice atoned for all our sins and generations of others who would receive salvation. So our calling will always be proven in wilderness situations. But take heart, when we begin to walk and live in our calling, God can do marvellous things in our lives and the lives of people around us. So, now I was coming into the next one. 
In our calling, he will continue to draw closer to you. And this will draw others to you through him. In these wilderness moments, it is just you and God. And you must learn to trust him completely throughout and beyond this period. For some, it's a time that will make or break us. During this wilderness moment, denied Jesus three times. But Jesus used him to draw around 3,000 believers into the kingdom at Pentecost. And he also opened the doors of the gospel to the Gentiles. So you're saying, okay, that's all in the Bible. They're all the big characters. They were anointed by God. How does that apply to me? It does. Each one of us will have to go for a wilderness moment. I personally have been going for a wilderness moment for a good few months now. But praise God, I'm still in one piece. And I have peace. Amen? So, don't matter what the enemy is throwing at me, I'm coming through. And I would encourage you guys to do the same. Because it's not the end, but the beginning. You have to see it that way. When one season ends, one door shuts, another one opens. By God's grace. Amen? Amen? Exodus 4. From verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob had appeared to you. Now, I think Moses is holding it quite well, holding it together quite well, dear. If someone told me, throw down a stick and it becomes a snake, you know, the snake's that way, I'm going that way. But um, Moses doesn't, God is there, and he trusts him. Yeah? You've got to see it as that example. God asked Moses to surrender everything he had in his hands and in his life. God asks us and commands us to put everything in his hands and trust him completely. We must surrender everything under God's sovereign rule and authority to fulfill what he's calling us to do. Some scriptures, Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We are called to be in relationship with God and to seek his kingdom first. And Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for our lives to help others, to do good, to give us and others hope and a future purpose. And in Romans so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God sees all work as sacred and will hold us accountable to him for what we have done in his service. Now, don't limit that just to church people. This is whole life ministry. Yeah? When we, do, you know, do you understand what I mean by whole life ministry? Every minute is God's. Every minute. Don't think that Sunday morning... 10 to 12, that's it. That's God's. Yeah? God's minutes start from the time you were born. Even before that, for you, for those who believe, those who book, whose name is in the book of life. So while you're arguing with God to say, well, God, I can only spare you half an hour, you're only robbing God. You're not robbing anyone else. So be careful of that. Whole life ministry, we are 24-7 a child of God. It doesn't just turn off when we go to bed. It doesn't turn off when we go through the doors at at church. 24-7, we are a child of God. We've got to look at it that way. So what is evidence of, of God's calling? Well, these are some. Walking closer with God and following his will, that's paramount. We need to respond more in faith to when he's, doing, when he's asking us to do things. And we need to be hearing God's word in prayer or in God's living word, the Bible, through the Holy Spirit. If you're lucky enough to have prophetic words spoken to you, they are very encouraging for direction. 
But sometimes just doing the basic, seeing where there's opportunities to serve, you can see God move. Ask yourself, what are you passionate about? What makes you feel alive inside? And try and explore how that would work out in practical ways for God and the kingdom. Now for the football fans here, you may be thinking, Lord, I'm passionate about my football team. Okay, so why don't you start a five-a-side for the church? You can play football and God can be glorified. But we did have what, a five-a-side team at one point, didn't we? Andy and some of the younger guys, and didn't they win? I think God had a hand in that. So, don't rule out things just because you think, how is that applicable to church? For me personally, it's helping others to grow in their relationship with the Trinity, praying for others and their needs, and learning more about God. So once you have thought about that, then you need to try and make a list of your God-given talents and gifts for your calling. But be practical and truthful. That's what I was saying earlier about the example of the evangelist. Communicator, evangelist. Not communicator, I don't think you're evangelist. My personal list, I have to say at the top, I have to say is understanding scripture, but also being able to explain it to others. I also think I'm an encourager. In prayer, I can intercede for others. Prophetic words happen through prayer. I do believe I have a sense of humour. And I think it helps people put people at ease. Sometimes laughter is one of the biggest barrier breaker that you can have, you know. People just seem to relax. It's like having your manager next to you on your appraisal, isn't it? And if they're sitting next to you and they've got a stern face and you're looking at them and you're thinking, did they know I had that extra coffee break? Uh, Did they see I came in late this morning? And you've got all these things running through your mind. And all all it is is that the the appraisal's probably just had a bad day, been stuck in traffic, and they want a happy face to be smiling back at them. You could change that person's mood just by smiling. I'm not saying crack a joke. I'm not saying be, uh, don't be politically correct and make a, a remark that might offend someone. All I'm saying is, if we shine, other people catch it. Yeah, We are supposed to be the light of the world. We can lighten someone's day. A smile is a very powerful thing. A joke, either way, well, but a smile is a powerful thing. Your personal calling will influence others. Moses' staff represented his identity as a shepherd, but also his influence. God uses Moses' shepherding skills to move God's people out of Egypt. God wants you to surrender your identity, income, and influence to him for his kingdom and his people. Let God lead you to lead others. Studying and drawing closer to God makes you come alive. I can say that personally, it does. Sometimes when Pastor Davis asked me to preach, my first thing is, that's two weeks of my life that I'm just going to have to, because I've got to study. I've got to not watch TV. I've got to be careful what I'm thinking. But then I get to this moment. And God gives me the message. And I read through and I think, yes, Lord, thank you. It's worth the effort. It's a bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger's, if no pain, no gain. You've got to put effort in. It's like our bodies. If I don't put any effort into this, the belly will get larger. My wife will get unhappy. And I'm sure the tax man will be happier because I'll be going to the Lord quicker than maybe the Lord intended. But jokes aside, we do have to put effort in the church. We need to spend that time with God to gain that deeper understanding of him. Spend time with him in prayer, reading his word, fellowshipping with other Christians, but also ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in this. Acts 13. While they were worshipping the Lord and while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and setting them off. We see many times in the Bible that God empowered certain people at certain times 
to fulfill his purposes through their calling. I believe at the point of faith in believing God's will for your life, you become more aware of the working of the Holy Spirit in you. We see it with Moses, with Joshua, Samson, David, and even Jesus himself when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit before beginning his ministry. But for the Holy Spirit to be effective in our lives, we must seek God's presence continually. It's one of those paradoxes. Do you know what I mean by paradox? It's like a contradiction. So we say, when the Holy Spirit is in us, God's presence is in us, don't we? Yet we're told we need to keep seeking more of God's presence. Yeah? Right now, I'm in the presence of God. Why? Because there's all these little bits of God sitting there looking back at me. I am more in the presence of God now than I am when I'm by myself at home. Still in the presence of God, but to a, a much more significant degree. So let's look at some examples. Again, look at Moses, filled with the Holy Spirit. But adamant that if the presence of God was not with the people, he's not going anywhere until he hears otherwise. Good example. Paul did the same, filled with the Holy Spirit. Did not want to do his... Paul wanted to preach in Asia, but he, thankfully he listened to God through the Holy Spirit. And he started to preach in Macedonia. And that's where the gospel begins to be preached widely to the Gentiles. We've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. God knows what he's doing. Why we think we know better, I don't know. Peter was called to open the gates to the Gentiles and Paul was called to share the gospel to those now called by God and to share in the inheritance of Abraham through grace by faith. So calling is not just... Calling is not just for a season, it's for a lifetime. And God's calling is going to take you into enemy territory. Now, is that scary? Yeah, it is. When was the last time you saw one soldier running into enemy, enemy lines and thinking, yeah, I'm over it. No, it's, you're anxious. It's, you have to prepare yourself, just like army, the army does. They train their officers so that they don't panic on the high-pressure situations. We have to do the same. And blessing, C.S. Lewis really captures it for me. I don't know if you can see that. I'll read it out. Enemy-occupied territory. This is from Mere Christianity, the book I wrote that C.S. Lewis wrote. Enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king had landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When we go to church, we are really listening into the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. That's why when we walk in our calling, we face great opposition. As the enemy knows, we will begin to take back territory for the kingdom. So I ask church, are you with me? Let's start taking back ground for the kingdom. No turning back, but pressing forward for the kingdom. Matthew 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So you may need to leave your old life to follow Jesus in your calling. It's all about being in the Lord's presence in every way. Just imagine the best Sunday worship ever and being in the very presence of Jesus. That's heaven for me. That's where we're calling, that's where our calling will take us ultimately. Yeah? That is where we're going to be going. The angels now are singing continually. We're going to go with them, adding our two penneth to the songs, to the glory. So if you don't like it here on earth, I'm sorry, you, you better get used to it because that's what we're going to face for eternity. That's what you signed up for, isn't it? That you want to be in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. It's up to you, but okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> On earth, when we're not performing miracles, when he spoke, 
the people around him were awestruck in his presence. How much more us when we experience the fullness of his presence on the last day of his second coming. The angels are currently in his presence and all they can do is cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Or glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty. They never cease praising him for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do for us. They already understand his great holiness, goodness, grace, mercy, kindness, protection, patience, companionship, and his everlasting love. Do you remember the gifts that Carol read out earlier? Those are those great gifts that God gives us here on earth. What about when we're in his presence? How would that feel when it, the fullness hits us? Is it any surprise the prophets of old just flung themselves on their feet and says, I am unworthy? But remember, guys, we will be and are worthy. And I'll come on to that. He cares and he shows he cares for our calling. Famous or not, you are known by the eternal and omnipotent God, our Holy Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ. Another quote from A.W. Tozer. Did you ever stop to think that God is going to be as pleased to have you with him in heaven as you are to be there? Do you get that? All right, let me expand on it. Basically, it's like lots of us think, oh, miserable wretch like me, I'm going to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. (laughs) So basically, you're saying, I'm just grateful to get in. Yeah? But God wants you there. You wouldn't have got in if he didn't want you there. If the bouncer doesn't want you to get to that club, you're not getting in. Yeah? Why do you think they have so many jokes about uh, St. Peter at the gates? Because if you ain't got the, the invite to get in, you're not getting in. The, that's an encouragement to say, God wants you there. Yeah? He didn't want you to fall away. He wanted you to succeed. So discovering your calling from God will change you. You can't find out who you truly are till you find out what purpose God has for your life. Every Christian needs to know and believe their life has a purpose. No contribution is too small or insignificant in God's eyes as long as it's done with a faithful heart and a desire to please God. We need a revelation of who God is before we can understand who we are in God and what he wants us to do for his kingdom. Again, another quote from C.S. Lewis. The more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become, because he made us. He invented us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. When we understand the character of God, what he has done to bring us salvation, and what he continues to do to sanctify us and make us more like his son Jesus, then we begin to understand and live how God wants us to live, selfless and loving concern for others. So in finding our calling, we become less selfish and self-centered and more kingdom-focused with an awe-filled attitude to what God has called you into. Never take for granted the great privilege we we have in knowing Jesus, let alone being used by him to advance the kingdom. We are made in God's image and we are his workmanship. So obviously we need to know God to know more about ourselves and why he made us and what he made us for. God's calling on our lives reveals the goodness of God. Some of us may have thought this came from God when he made us aware of his existence, either through his word, the Bible, or some form of personal revelation of himself. A bit like when God called to Moses from the burning bush... Or God's voice that Samuel heard and responded to. But God first called us when he wrote our names in, the book of, in his book of life. He saw us in the future and he made a way for us to answer his call when he deemed it the right time for us to begin to know him. God's calling on your life will bring challenges for you to endure and overcome. Again, I'll say that again. Challenges for you to endure and overcome. But see it as another means of grace to press in even closer to Jesus and our gracious Heavenly Father before we encounter them fully at the end of our journey here on earth. 
Effectively, we are aliens here. But we know when we go back home, the Heavenly Father will be pleased with our efforts and contributions for his kingdom and his people when we were walking in his calling. Calling requires us to separate ourselves from the world and its snares and living a life pleasing and committed to God and his kingdom. Philippians 3. I press on toward the goal for the prize of upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul puts it really succinctly. His prize is the calling of God. He's not thinking about treasures up in heaven. He's not thinking of Mercedes. He's not thinking of mansion. He's not thinking of the next Halle Berry. Show my age there. What basically he's saying is it was the call of God that was his prize. The call of God is our prize to be set out, set apart, changed even. I'm so much more different man than I was 10, 20 years ago by God's grace. You are different people by the grace of God only because he called. Our calling does not hear does not end here on earth but continues to meet with Jesus he calls us to be his children and there is no greater calling we're called to be his servants and ambassadors of the good news to share with the world the love and joy of knowing and submitting to our Lord Saviour Jesus Christ and we're called to be his disciples to follow in Jesus' footsteps to obey his teachings and instructions via the Holy Spirit and by being disciples encourage others to be disciples and enter the kingdom of heaven. Second Timothy. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So for some, their calling will involve suffering for the glory of God's name. An example of this is Jeremiah, the prophets, Paul and Jesus himself, whose one mission was to die a gruesome death to atone for all sin once and for all and defeat death on the cross. Calling requires us to defend those who cannot defend themselves and be a voice to defend the name of Jesus. I don't know how many of you saw the news last week, but did you hear the article about the National Trust Easter egg hunt? Right. But the key word is Easter. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to mention Easter in a, they're quite happy to have the egg and the hunt. So the bunny's fine, the egg's fine, but Jesus isn't. One of the key, if not the key, for a Christian. And thankfully, what did the church do? They stood up straight away and did it well blessed that the archbishop defended it well but even the non-christians are saying what madness is this what madness is this you call yourself a Christian nation and either I don't know what political Christmas gone mad I I don't know the executives around that table must have been on a bad day I don't know what happens we don't know but whoever thought that would that was going to be a good idea and that it was just going to go underneath the radar like most things do <coughs> didn't count for the church and that's where we have to step in we need to make for want of a better term noise but we, we, are, we have a voice we have a voice what other community has thousands if not millions of members like this like minded we're not like unions where we've got unison here, we've got this, and they're all fighting out to try and get the, the employees. We're one church, one body, all with the same voice. Very powerful if you focus and do it in the right way. Church needs to speak up when our very core principles are being attacked or challenged. How we defend his name is just as important as defending it. We need to do it so God's love and grace is shown in the situation and we will see God move in great ways. Ephesians 1.18 Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Finding our calling is good for us. It brings complete freedom in Christ in our lives. Romans 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God's calling gives us an identity and a sense of belonging. Romans. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. For those called to lead a heart of service and leading by example is of great importance. We are called to lead as Jesus did. I would say one great example of this is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He did not ask them to do anything he was not willing to do himself. As a leader, you'd be tasked to help others, to become leaders themselves by God's grace and to serve the church. My experience as a leader helps me to serve others and to use my various gifts both in church, at work and at home. So again, 24-7, full life ministry. I don't, because I'm not at work, don't use my Excel skills in the church because that's just work. Yeah? If I can use my Excel skills here at church, that's what I'm going to do. If it impacts the church, if it can benefit the church, why not? At the end of the day, who gave me the Excel skills in the first place? God gave me them. Not the Microsoft course that I've got the certification for. God gave me that. God-given gift. Same with church. I'm speaking to you now. So I go to work and I don't say a word. What's the point of that? First off, I'm supposed to testify where I can. But most of all, if I'm a shrinking violet in, in the world, that ain't going to be much good to Jesus, is it? He wants me to express myself. And in expressing myself, I express him. Because at the end of the day, he's in me. Yeah? So try where you can, where you can. Now, I'm not saying church again. I'm not saying I want you to get, get to work on Monday, get your soapbox off. And you, uh, right? John 3.16. God so loved the world. No. That's not what I'm saying, is it? You want to you want to live John three sixteen? Walk into your workplace on the Monday morning, and be smiling. So I had a good Sunday at church, and my brother brought this message, and it greatly encouraged me. I'm I'm not I'm blowing my trumpet on that one. I'm just saying, open up a line of conversation. You'd be amazed how God weaves those conversations. But you've got to make the conversation. If you don't open your mouth, God can't use your words. Ephesians 4.1 I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Live a life worthy of God's calling. He paid a great price for us. Paul could have been embittered by his imprisonment. But he understood God had placed him there for a reason. And Paul would do nothing to hinder God's working through him there. At their times, we behave unworthy. So at those times, sometimes we behave unworthy of God's calling. I'm sure all of us will probably testify to that. But praise God for his glorious patience and grace towards us when we fall short of this. Romans 11. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So in English, we'll say, no personal organisation can change our calling or our gifting. These are God-equipped for our service to him. We're all given different gifts to equip us for God's work of service to build up the body of Christ. And when God begins a good work, he will complete it. So to bring us to a conclusion, there are some key points to remember in God's calling. And we'll go right to the beginning with Genesis. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. No other creation of God was made in his image. Even the angels weren't made in his image. Even his son came as one of us to teach us how to live for God. So let us strive to be more like him for his son, so God can be seen and his name glorified. Psalms 139. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. 
God has taken painstaking lengths and efforts to ensure the best for you, and nothing has been left for granted. With God, there are no product recalls. Well, you'd hope there are no product recalls if you're in trouble if you have to put it anyway. So, the same God who created and flung the stars in place to form the universe, who created the skies and the oceans and the diverse and beautiful things in them, is the same God who created you to do wonderful works. Not just normal works, but wonderful works for him. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves how much God thinks of us, and this is a key scripture to read to yourself to remind you. We have been made by God's hands, created for good works. God has something for all of us to do for him. All the works for us, sorry, all the works for us to do have been prepared before we even knew God. All we need to do is align ourselves with God to take hold of them. And God wants you to walk in them. He does not want you to fail as this impacts his people and his kingdom. He will prepare you for every task and situation. Last scripture. Romans 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and heirs ears of God and fellow ears with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him God not only makes a way for us to be part of his wonderful kingdom but he goes even further to adopt us as his children but he does not stop there he also gives us all the benefits that this privilege brings if we accept his kingship into our lives our lives are about and for God's purposes So in summary, our primary calling is to be in relationship with God through Jesus. Don't get that confused with job, vocation, occupation. Primary calling, you need to be in a relationship with God through Jesus. Secondary calling, use your gifts and talents in God's service and for his glory in our many life roles. We have got many life roles. I am a father, son, Uncle, see, I'm running out of fingers and and roles. I should read it down. But I've got many roles. Just just me one has many roles. But God can play a part in all of them. All of them. Here is something God showed me to help us focus on our calling. And it's an acronym of the word lifted. So it's the first letter. Spells something. So you can't really see that, but we'll go for it. Lifted. L for listen. Always listen to God's voice in everything. It helps when you listen to God. Inspire. Let your life be a testimony to others. It's not the preaching that impacts the person most. It's your lifestyle that will impact them. F, follow. Follow God's instructions through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always talking. It's like last week. Normally I think I'm talking to God quite regularly. But preparing for the preach, God was talking to me left, right and centre. In the bathroom, in the kitchen, at work. And I had to get a little notebook in the end and I had to be scribbling because if I didn't write it down, I would miss it. But before that I thought, I'm alright, God's talking to me, I can hear him. But it's on another level when he needs to be. T, trust. Let me go back one. Trust. You need faith to accomplish God's will. It's paramount. He's going to ask you to do things that you ain't comfortable with, that you don't want to do, but you have to have faith. He's asking you it for a reason. It may not be for your benefit. You've got to remember that, church. It's like this. I don't believe it's for my benefit, but it is. God will touch me in one way or another, and he has. He's, he's watched over me to get to this point but if I didn't do this you guys wouldn't get this message and then God would have to use someone else do you really want God to use someone else God has called you specifically why do you want him to 
to then say, well, you didn't do it. I've got to call someone else. And don't believe he doesn't. Look at the Bible. Judges. Deborah. Yeah? God went to the, to the warrior, the king. I don't know if he's king, but he was a warrior. Told him, this is what I need to do. And the warrior said, well, it looks, the, the, the task looks big, Lord. Um, so the Lord says, okay, you don't want to do it. And he talks to Deborah. Deborah says, I'll go with you. You still got to fight, but I'll go with you. So the man still had to do what he was called to do, but he's mentioned in the Bible as being someone that didn't do it. And again, if you're looking at big guns of the Bible, Moses. Moses says to God, I'm not a talker. I'm not a communicator. What are you talking to me for? So he says, and and God gets angry, but he says, look, because he needs Moses there. He still sends Moses around. He didn't send Aaron by himself. He still sent Moses in there. He says, all right, Aaron will be your mouthpiece. But you're going. Yeah? So save yourself the trouble. God's calling you. He wants you. He didn't make a mistake. Just go with it. Stop fighting. Really, I'm testifying to myself there. Stop fighting. Encourage, talk about what God has and is doing for you. I hope you've heard that today. But the last one is disciple. It's not about us learning all this knowledge and going back to heaven with it. We need to be sharing it. We need to be telling other people about it. Build up and teach others and share that good news. So I pray, Lighthouse, we strive to remain and excel in God's calling in our lives to fulfill the will and purpose of God for the glorious name and for his kingdom. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, glorious, holy Saviour, mighty Holy Spirit, we thank you. Even you, the Trinity, with us. Lord, we pray that your church continues to work in their specific calling to make that greater one, you know, that one voice, that one will, that one purpose, that the church will have the impact that you're calling it to be. A church that saves by your grace and mercy. A church that heals by your Holy Spirit power. A church that reveals the goodness of God. A church that is advancing the kingdom, going into enemy territory that we haven't been in before, but needs to be taken because God wants it so. So Father, help us. Encourage us, empower us, that your will be done. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen.